This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Fabiola. Hey, Leo. How are you doing today? I'm good. Excited for this episode. Yeah, we're back at it again here, uh, and we've got a, a guest that's going to be joining us, but uh, what else is uh, is happening? What's happening with you? Me? Just uh, excited for the new year. Lots of um, exciting trips, exciting goals to achieve. It's just a whole new uh, opportunity right. to be free, yeah. to choose freedom. No, I think uh, 2023 is going to be a good year. I'm excited about it, excited to get started on it here. I know we're recording this here at the tail end. We won't actually release this episode, probably come out uh, first or second week of uh, January. But uh, um, yeah, no, I think 2023 is going to be set up to be uh, a rebound from some of the stuff that we, uh, we've experienced the last few years. So very excited about that. Now, what we're going to dive into on today's episode, we've talked a little bit in past episodes about, um, you know, uh, uh, EMF, well, the frequency fence, you know, uh, we had, uh, Mitch on a couple of times, <clears throat> Mitch, the organ donor. And, uh, you know, he had a lot to say. Uh, I think the guest today is going to have it from maybe a little bit different tilt, but um, still well, along so the same lines. about the frequency fence, and this time we're going to be actually talking about the 5G rollout, the cumulative, cumulative effects of all these technologies be, you know, the very beginning of wireless, 2D, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, and where is this all going what is this all for? Uh, risk versus benefits? Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, there's a lot to it. It's a big yeah. discussion. So I we're just going to... After talking about the risk, maybe we're going to realize the benefits. Uh... Aren't worth it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to shut this all down, all this technology. No more podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to figure out some uh, effective ways to still reach you guys after we institute those strategies. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think our guest is coming on any minute now. So uh, if there's nothing else, we can go ahead and, and bring her on. Let's bring her on. All right. Fantastic. Let me patch her in here. All right. Our network of friends and listeners never ceases to amaze. And our guest today was brought to us from that very network. We are joined today by the founder of We Are Not Sam, Renat Strahlhofer. Renat is home-based in Australia and is a former telecommunications industry marketer turned safe tech activist. We Are Not Sam's mission is to humanize this tech-addicted world that we live in. We are coexisting with an absurd amount of technology with no accurate data into what the effects are on us 
short or long term. And being lied to by an industry that will have you believe safety checks are in place. Rather than complying, it is time to take radical responsibility. We are not Sam wants to educate you about safe technology practices that don't put you and your family at risk. Renat is also the host of the We Know Show podcast, which can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, where she interviews relevant personalities and experts around related topics. Renat, welcome to the Collective Resistance podcast. Oh, thank you both so much. I think that's one of the most um, humbling experiences is getting to meet people all around the world that have so much creative vision for the future. So I'm very, very, very excited to be here. Oh, we're excited you're here with us. Thank you so much. Now, Renat, I actually caught a random YouTube video popped up in my feed about Sam in the middle of the pandemic. It was kind of a weird one. And then we were really focusing in on COVID as kind of the the launch of our podcast, which was right about two years ago. And so we didn't get into Sam at the time, but I always wanted to dive deeper. So this is really interesting how the universe has kind of brought you to us. Um, so I was wondering maybe if you could kind of tell the audience and our listeners a little bit about who Sam is, why that name is significant, and then why you were were led to this topic to become an activist. Oh, where to even begin? Um, alrighty, so maybe just a little bit of background. When I, when I set out to go to university, I think my very first um, feeling was to to teach i wanted to be a teacher and i think that's on honestly because now i've done a lot of reflection on it i was really raised by a system that was rewards and punishment and i was quite you know i came from a private school background i was always following authority and i just always felt like that was going to be my path is just to kind of find my way to be creative in that kind of rewards and punishment system and you know you do a lot of reflection in your life and you you can connect dots looking back that led you to do and experience certain things in your life and come across certain big reveals, which is what I'm about to tell you. But my very first day of university, I had this lecturer come on a on a stage, you know, it was an auditorium that looked like a funnel. And there was 700 of us students on the first day. And he said, I'm going to tell you one story. And if you can relate, stay and do marketing. And if you can't, I need you to get the F out of here. And I just remember like thinking to myself, like, whoa, this is one way to make an impression. Intense. And the story was this. He, he, yeah, he talked about his uncle, um, Joe, and he had a hair salon for 25 years in a really small town and everybody went to Joe's haircut and he sold $10 haircuts. So everybody went to Joe, everyone got a $10 haircut. And then after 25 years, there was a new salon opening up across the road and everyone's going to Joe, have you seen the new salon? They're going to be selling $5 haircuts. And Joe never said a word. He just kept cutting hair. And the day came where the new salon opened with their $5 haircuts. And Joe came into his salon and took down his $10 haircut sign. And he put up a new sign and the sign said, we fix $5 haircuts for $10. <laughs> And I just thought, what a brilliant introduction to marketing. What a brilliant introduction to perception. You know, the understanding of 
so much information that we've been exposed to in the last few years is based on how it's been marketed to us. Okay. And taking on experimental technologies in the last few years has more to do with marketing than we want to give it credit for. And so because my background was that system, it was, you know, I was disillusioned by what I was studying and what I, the system I was being raised in. I was also raised in a house that was very much around rewards and punishment. And so this whole this this idea of people understanding like i came from that world of understanding manipulation understanding behavior and 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 so what happened was i did really well in university because i was so passionate about this subject and i was told to apply for a very large graduate program um, it was a very big deal my parents were over the moon proud um, and they took 10 intakes a year for the largest telco in our country called Telstra. And I got in and basically for two years I was sponsored to work on the Commonwealth Games and basically tour around the entire company doing whatever marketing I felt to do. So I, I got to rotate and um, basically experience the whole world of marketing from that lens of a telco industry. And towards the end I was the youngest person that was selected to be in a very um, exclusive team of eight people to launch the largest 3GSM mobile network in this country and at the time it was the biggest undertaking worldwide. We had a billion dollar budget to roll it out in 10 months and we had to do marketing campaigns with so much money and so it was like you couldn't even step outside your grandma's house without seeing marketing for this technology, right? And, um, and that was my job. My job was to get uh, the Australian population juiced up about picture messages and videos on the go and email. And to most people, doing video calls with people across the world it was sci-fi. It was mm -hmm. just yeah. unheard of um, other than in the films, right, which we know now is very much around programming and um, predictive programming. And um, and I just remember loving what I what I was doing. I just thought this was going to connect people. I felt completely full with respect and um, and excitement for what this technology was going to bring. Um, and so that's what happened for me. Is I rolled it out with eight others. We won massive awards, and we were traveling around the entire country. We we got to meet very famous people, and we had ten months to roll out five thousand sites, so, so transmitter sites, and covered probably about 98% of the country with 3G, and it was big. And later, we got new routers installed in our homes. So I'm pr pretty sure everybody remembers those really loud, like, routers, yeah. and then yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the 3G ones came along. And, um, and my husband, he, it's one of those moments that stamp you in life, you know. He came to me and he said, Renat, I think there's something that's disturbing my sleep and I have a feeling it has to do with this router. And I just gave him a look, you know, that cognitive dissonance feeling that you get. It's like there's no way what I've been doing for the last years of my life has anything to do with why you can't sleep. There was just no way my body could accept it. But he was so loving in his delivery and he said, I know you think you know, but I'm asking you to go and find out. And I was just like, whoa, all right. So I went into the largest um, database we had, which was called Roy Morgan, and I found that 38% of my market were concerned about health effects. Now, under any normal circumstance, you would go in and that would that would raise an alarm to do a campaign. Mm -hmm. in, I mean, this is a new technology, 38%. Yeah. 
And so I went into my executive director's office and I told her what I'd uncovered. I showed her the facts. I didn't have to speak about my husband. I showed her black on white. And um, and she gave me one of those looks, you know, those looks that's, that stay with you um, and basically told me to get my foot out of the door and look the other way. <laughs> And I couldn't, <laughs> um, even though I was raised to listen to authority, I couldn't do it in that moment. And so I kept digging for more and found so many studies that were even done on 2G that was showing biological effects. And and then I went to the research department. I had one friend there that I knew um, I could ask these hard questions. And, I, and he took me out of the office. He refused to speak to me at the office. And what he said to me was, Renat, you're not going to believe this, but the way they've proliferated the market with this technology is based on a fraudulent test. I said, what test? And they said, they're testing mobile phones on a plastic mannequin filled with liquid. And I said, what do you mean? He said, it's not a biological test. They designed this test so that they themselves could pass the test and proliferate the market with as many wireless radiation technologies as they could. And so to get into what that is, is the mannequin is called Sam. So they give him almost like a human name for a plastic mannequin, but it's actually an acronym for specific anthropomorphic mannequin, which is just a big word for dummy, plastic oh. dummy. And they fill his plastic head up with a liquid gel and literally put like this thermometer in there and put him on a phone call for an average six minutes to see if the liquid would heat up by one degree Celsius. And if it doesn't, then that phone model is deemed safe and millions of those devices get sold on the market. And that's how every single phone has been tested since the mid-90s, every single phone worldwide. This is the international standard test. So now let me let me ask a, what, what appears to be an obvious question, but uh, how can an industry create their own test for safety? Wouldn't that be something that the, the government has to come up with that? Or is this a situation, I mean, obviously it sounds like it where it's the revolving door, you've got telecommunications execs that come over to, you know, the, uh, I don't know. who The if, regulatory bodies. Yeah, is that what it is? Correct. Okay. Yes. Who Same came playbook, up? exactly. Who came up with this? idea was the genius behind it i wonder <laughs> yeah because I, 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 I guess I'm, was... I'm wondering wouldn't there be still some level of you've got to explain the efficacy of this you know to, to you know it, or, or no there's just no there's no it, it it really when you were explaining it it was really striking to me because it it really reminded me of what we just went through around the PCR test with the pandemic. It's the same thing. You create the test that, that gives the the effect that you want as far as the data, the output, and then you own the regulatory people that are approving it and you, you get the outcome that you want. I mean, it's just crazy to see the parallels. <laughs> yes. Oh, it, once you see it, you see it everywhere. You know what yeah. I mean? You see it in... So many industries because it's a playbook that has worked for for such a long time. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, I mean, there's an international body called ICNERP and they oversee sort of like what the FCC follow in America, which is the Federal Communications Commission, or in our case, Australia, it's called APANZA. It's the same thing. But they pass down how to how to do these testings and they say you know tissue it's based on heating tissue but there's over 2000 peer reviewed reports that show biological harm that has nothing to do with heat and so we've had the top emf scientists independent scientists worldwide 
up in arms about this to the UN, the World Health Organization, the FCC for decades. And in fact, we worked with Children's Health Defense last year when they won their landmark legal case in the second highest court of America, which is the um, Court of Appeals. And they proved that this test was negligent and fraudulent. So now it's going to go through decades of back and forth between, you know, between when they're actually going to change anything. But in the meantime, they can still keep using the test. Mm -hmm. And the, the same way with tobacco and asbestos, these industries are deemed innocent until proven guilty, right? And that proven guilty can take decades to show harm. Mm -hmm. You know, with cancer, it can take decades to develop. It doesn't happen instantaneous. But what there is under what what they found in this case is it's undeniable that the wireless radiation industry cause oxidative stress, short term memory and concentration issues, sleep disruption, headaches, dizziness, fatigue, immune disruption, skin rashes, and changes in cardiac function. There oh. is an there is no denying that the science is settled that it is causing that. So what the industry do is they get you to focus on the worst case scenario, which takes a longer time to develop, right. which is cancer. So they can get away with a lot more because cancer takes a longer time to develop. And most people will think, oh, I'm not getting any negative effects from you know sleeping with my phone next to my head because I don't have cancer. And so this is how they've manipulated people into thinking that this technology is doing nothing to them when in fact it's doing a hell of a lot. Yeah, it's like it's like eating those uh, those manufactured sweeteners, right? They're not going to kill you in one dose, but if you put them in your coffee every single day for twenty years, then you you've got a chance you're going to develop some type of cancer. So it's it's the same yeah. situation. And I mean, this technology cancer, from saying. a brain perspective, it interferes with the brain cell communication and it breaks down that, that DNA. So it's dumbing down the population. I mean, this is mm -hmm. what scientists have been saying for, mm -hmm. for a long, long time. And there's a whole other conversation what it's doing to the navigation of bees and and it's, you know, it when you look at it, and I don't, and I'm not a, I'm not a negative, I'm not a pessimistic person at all. Actually, I have a lot to say in terms of where it's going and what the opportunities are with technology. And I mean, we're talking about the ugly, but there's also the good, and there's also, um, you know, we, we've got to start figuring out ways to self-regulate and to get really, really honest with how much, you know, where does technology end and humanity begins? Because it's becoming very blurred, those yeah. lines. Yeah, I was noticing this morning, I was getting out of the bedroom, you know, phone in my hand, you know, always having the phone. Then I leave the phone somewhere and then I go like, oh my gosh, I can't remember where my phone is. I'm sure it's messing with my brain, you know. And then I start panicking, where's my phone? <laughs> it's always in my hand, even though I, I uh, would never put a wearable on. It's still kind of, you know, wearable because it's always in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys heard of the peripersonal space? No. no. So it's actually this science that if you touch something for a long enough period of time, your body starts to like literally like swallow it up and map it out as part of you. So what? if you're driving a long distance and then you duck under a bridge, you're like, why did I just duck in my own car? Um, it's because your body's mapped out that car as part of you. And so if you Think about that in terms of why people feel naked without holding their phones or having it on them or on the table right near them. Mm -hmm. It's because their bodies have now started to map out this technology as part of them. It's an and we have to have a look at that much deeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now you use the term but no biological testing. Do, do we know what types of tests then are really required? And do, do other... Um, 
technologies that uh, emit radiation, are they uh, doing something completely different, you know, where it's not in parallel to what we're seeing in the, the wireless industry so that we can, you know, show people, hey, well, why are we doing this over here with CAT scan machines or whatever, uh, but we're not doing it with the cell phone industry? Do, do you know? Yeah, there's another um, way to do it. It's called FDTD, and that's finite domain time difference. And it was a it was developed by independent scientists. Um, professor on Gandhi, who I recently interviewed, is phenomenal. He's a um, he was a professor at the University of Utah, and he has done so much research on SAM and and exposed that children absorb 150 percent more radiation than the dummy does. Oh, wow. So he was like doing the studies and the testing and it actually penetrates the entire brain of a five-year-old because their, their skulls are thinner, there's more liquid there. And when he was doing this, this research paper, um, which is called the underabsorption rate for children, he actually um, e explained that there's this other way of doing it and it was called, F it is called FDTD. And it's similar to what you would see with like MRI scans. So if you, if, you know, like, with the ways in which we do MRI. Right. Mm -hmm. You guys know much about that? I mean, I'm familiar, so but I, I don't know it, how the testing works specifically. It, it adapts really well to different tissue models okay. and that are usually derived from CT scans or MRI scans. So it, it's a flexible kind of model or a structure of all these um, and I can't even say the right word, <laughs> anatomical <laughs> tissues and organs, right, in the body. And it takes this whole electromagnetic application and it advances it through this kind of a computer computing technology, which is what the MRIs do as well. And it is approved by the FDA. It is the, the alternative test to SAM, which they reject using. So they will never use this, this test because they never pass. Mm -hmm. And for those that are wondering, like, what is SAM based on? It's He's actually based on the top 10% of military recruits. So they took a military recruit in the late 80s and they said, that's our ideal mobile phone user. <laughs> and these are the strongest men in our society. They're six foot two tall, 100 kilogram, five kilogram heads, adult males, and that's only indicative of 3% of the world's population. Wow. And they said that's our ideal That's our ideal phone user. Now, that doesn't. It, there's no safety test worldwide when it comes to wireless radiation that takes into account children, women, or the elderly. Wow. Not a single one. And so this FDDT, FDTD test does do that. It takes different family members. It takes a five-year-old girl, a six-year-old boy, an eight-year-old girl, an 11-year-old girl, 26. It goes all the way through all ages, right? And it's a virtual family that exists and it's already been tested within 200 research groups worldwide. And it's a simulation. And so it can check, you know, all different organs in the body as opposed to just a head. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so this is the alternative test that exists. They refuse to use it. They won't adopt it even though it is an approved certification process test. And despite the fact that we know that the SAM model doesn't represent 97% of the world's population with, mm -hmm. you know, heads smaller than the size of SAM, they refuse to use this test. What is and their even excuse? If they use? What is that? Oh, they... The, the, they don't even need to have an excuse because people don't know this test exists. Oh. Okay. I see. That is yeah. Just keep everybody in the dark. Yeah. 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 Crazy. I Absolutely. had no idea. I mean, I always knew EMFs were, you know, not good, but I didn't know like the testing was 
that bad. Well, and, and that that might be a good uh, um, point of delineation. Is there? Uh, I, I mean, I think I know the answer, but I mean, like, um, say a, a a child using a cell phone uh, that is on versus one that is in airplane mode. Is that a, a significant difference? Yes, there is a massive difference. Um, the thing is you you can, there's wireless technology, which is literally like in the air, you're holding a phone and you're walking around and you're like, this thing's magic. It just works everywhere I go. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Which is how most people kind of thought about it at the beginning. It was like more of a shock factor. Like, how is this working when I'm moving? Yeah. But now it's just so common. Right. Um, and then there's wired technology. So you, you use ethernet cables to wire your laptop or to create an adapter to wire your phone at home. And there's no radiation with that at all. None. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple. Oh, you okay. There's just none. Put an adapter okay. Into okay. the phone and you wire it up to, you know, the, you, most people can have um, fiber optics these days and mm-hmm. you've got no radiation at home. And the thing is that this technology in Australia, I don't know how it was in America, it was given billions of dollars to develop. And then as soon as 5G hit the market, they put it to the side and put all that money towards 5G. And this is where we need to, this is, Part of the, and I guess this comes down to marketing, doesn't it, is that Mm -hmm. people just don't know. They use what they're marketed. They use what they believe is their choice, which is I can choose this model of a phone or that model of a phone, but no one's explaining that you have this choice of wired versus wireless. Mm -hmm. And it's faster, it's safer, and it's more secure than wireless. It's way faster. Mm-hmm. Now, Renat, I, I know that uh, um, we've talked on previous episodes about uh, the, the actual towers themselves, you know, versus the devices. Uh, where do you see the, the biggest threat or do you see it uh, cumulatively as just it's a problem overall? Or, or is it the, the devices that pose the, the, the most threat or is it the, the, the large antenna? Especially we're seeing them go up on schools. Mm-hmm. We're seeing them in hospitals. hospitals hotels right on the side of the wall next to next to rooms i mean wh- where is the major threat or is it all just a, a cluster bomb waiting to happen <laughs> look you spoke about a cumulative so nobody is monitoring the the cumulative effects nobody it's it's not just a single exposure you know it's multiple exposures we're talking you know your ipads your laptops um your bluetooth speakers those airpods that make people look like martians wearing <laughs> antennas which is exactly what they are which all the young um, generation you know, will wear those oh my god it is so sad it to is, see they will have the watch their entire and, brain yeah it's, and they will yeah. have the the airpods as well mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, and then you've got smart meters, and then you've got your neighbor's right. Wi-Fi, and you've mm-hmm. got the phone tower a thousand meters away down mm-hmm. the road. See, the fact is that these are multiple exposures, and where, and again, same playbook. Does it sound familiar? There's no cumulative exposure that's being measured from other technologies, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So this is where the conflict of everything lies with with five G, because it creates the internet of things that's the whole goal of 5g like most people think 5g is just simply an upgrade from 4g it isn't it's an additional technology it doesn't replace 4g it's an additional uh, technology that not only requires some upgrades to towers that's the that's the smaller piece of the puzzle the bigger piece of the puzzle are these small cells which are like these backpack size antennas you would have seen like they went up in new york and the new york times were doing a post and they got pretty heavily um trolled after that actually Mm -hmm. but these are like every 
200 meters and they create grids. They need to be in very close proximity. 5G needs to be in very close proximity to the body, right? So it creates far more exposure to wireless radiation. There are pictures that I've seen in New York where it's like you literally it's on the building outside your window. So it's outside of a window Mm -hmm. and it creates a grid which is for the internet of things so that you know the internet can read your baby's nappy your bike your toilet how often you shower and all of this is linked up with this whole climate change agenda right so that's like oh we're going to tax you for using too much to harm the earth and everything's based on more and more control using this technology and eventually the goal is um a to get you to um well, <laughs> I don't know how far we want to go down the rabbit hole. We, but the goal we, is really we, like, we've gone pretty far, so feel free to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if we, it is to upload your consciousness to the metaverse. I mean, we're already seeing the goggles. <clears throat> this is the last few years has shown us that this isn't. There is a push towards having an out of body experience, not an inner body experience, but an out of body mm-hmm. experience. And and it's an anti-life agenda. It really is because if we understand what the Internet of Things is designed to do, is not just read your data, but control it and control you because of it. This is the gold rush and data is the gold in the Wild West. Mm-hmm. And these technologies are designed to almost create an outdoor prison of sorts mm-hmm. where they, yes, they can use the social credit scores and the systems and everything that we see playing themselves out in China using this exact technology. And the biometric surveillance is what's going to be very big in 2023. They're already pushing it now. But ultimately, there's almost like this, you know it in your, it's like you pick, we all come from a place, I believe, of, um, of pure love, mm-hmm. you know, that we've come from a consciousness that is pure, pure love. And when we're here and we see something that isn't in alignment with that pure natural love there's something in us that goes oh i i I understand i've been made for these times and i'm and i can feel an incongruence between who i am at my soul and Mm -hmm. what's happening in the world right now Mm -hmm. and so i think this is why you and i and all of us are being called to to speak i I also started a podcast i had no idea what i was doing (laughs) but i felt the calling haha calling um to (laughs) be part of the I guess the part of the solution and part of the antidote to all of this, which is to create our own agendas, to create our own pathways, mm-hmm. because we can, we can, we, we need to create awareness about what's going on hundred mm-hmm. percent. But if it stops there and it doesn't transmute towards creating our own pathways mm-hmm. towards, you know, healthy living and education and living on the land, because everything these internet of things are designed to do is to get you off the land, mm-hmm. to get you into the smart cities where everything's connected, you know, vertically mm-hmm. and as well as our bodies would, would be connected to the internet, which is called the internet of bodies. This is something that the world economic forum talk about the post-human or transhuman you know these are so many rabbit holes to go down but whenever you come out of those rabbit holes and you recognize that you are you're you're a being that is connected to a creator you're a being that is connected to your ancestral bloodlines that have brought you to this moment in time and you're a being that is connected to mother earth mm-hmm. then you walk in your truth and you walk in strength and it took me a long time to be able to speak up i left i went um, I tried so hard in at Telstra at my job to 
try to get more people to speak with me, you know. Mm -hmm. These were colleagues that I've won awards with, I'd spent every day for years with and Mm -hmm. I had such strong relationships with. But what was so hard for me to see back then and it prepared me for this time for the last few years is how they chose to look away because I did not want to confront the ugly of this industry. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just remember all my campaigns were being pulled away from me, and I was um, stonewalled to say the least. And then I just looked at my husband, and he's from Switzerland, and I said, "Look, you know, I, I think the best I can do right now is just get away because it was just too much. It was too much for my body to try to speak up for the first time in my life." Oh wow! And feeling completely alone, completely alone. Like, why are you doing this, Renat? Just, you know, they had mortgages and school tuitions and cars and all these other things. And when I was growing up, my grandmother, she survived the war and she had absolutely no issue telling all the grandchildren that I was her favourite. She was like, I don't care who's my favourite. Everybody already knows it anyway. That's and, sweet. Um, and, yeah, I just, I just remember how, like, there was just no... There was, she raised me, you know, my, my parents went back, my mum went back to work when I was four months old and, and uh, my, my grandma raised me and, and she was always like a real, like she, she survived war, you know, she, she was in Russia, that's my bloodline and I can feel it in me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember reading those Anastasia books and feeling like I was getting in touch with my ancestors. I don't know if you've read the Ringing Seder Trees, but they're, just I think they also prepared me for this moment but Mm -hmm. in any case uh, she would say to me all the time when I was growing up she would say you know Renat just whatever happens don't settle for the jewelry box and I was like (laughs) jewelry box like money sure yeah grandma I'm not selling for money don't worry Uh (laughs) and towards the end of her life I was living in Switzerland for nine years when I left and and had to get away and towards the end of her life I came back Um, my mum said she's waiting for you so I came back And I lay with her in the bed and I said, Grandma, what's this story really about? And she said, she told me the story and I was crying and, and my mum was in the room and she said that <clears throat> when she was escaping the war, she she ran home, you know, the, the home where her grandparents lived and her sisters and her brothers and their wives and kids, it was all on the same land. And she got her two sisters because they were there and she said, we've got to run. And she came to her sister-in-law and her nephew and niece, they were so close to my grandmother, they said, you've got to come with me. And they wanted to go. The little nephew and niece wanted to go. But her sister-in-law came out with a jewellery box and she said, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And they weren't <laughs> oh, fine. Wow. They were killed on the spot. Oh. And the thing is, like, she ran into the forest and they survived um, and she became a nurse. And there's a whole story to my grandma. It's, it's something that I that I can speak on for a very long topic, uh, mm-hmm. for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But it was what she helped me understand is that it's not the money, it's the false sense of security between four walls, whether that's in a cubicle at home or in a cubicle at work or in a car or in these things that they're not they're not true to our real security and, and true security comes from our own truth and from living in in integrity with who we really are and why we are here. Mm-hmm. And most people will try to create so much possession of wireless devices and all of these things mm-hmm. because genu- genuinely I think they're just not really in touch with who they really are. Yeah, they're void. Because when you are in touch with 
yeah, when you're in touch with who you really are, you spend more time outside in nature, um, having real connection with people in real time. And that's not to say, look at us, we're doing this great thing on technology, but it's actually choosing to use it in a meaningful way, not in a way that's like binge screening, you know, where you're just scrolling because you don't want to look deeper within yourself. So you'll just look through funny cat videos or whatever. <laughs> I'm not being judgmental here, but it's it is a way to feel a void of, of, you know, like connecting to technology in meaningless, non-discerning kind of ways. Mm -hmm. because Unconscious ways, we don't... right? Because we're Finally. so, there's the addiction, there's like the natural yeah. world can't really compete with with the technology, right? From the very beginning, we learn with our kids, like if you want their attention, you can't compete with the TV or the computer. You got to shut it off and you got to, it, it can be part of, this whole operation otherwise you you're gonna lose every time yeah absolutely and we've got to look at this as a web of life i you know like we talk about the the web you know the internet they've called the world wide web but mm -hmm. i mean it is when a we're web. truly connected <laughs> yeah it is a web because it's literally gets you stuck doesn't it but yes. when we truly are connected to all that is and we can feel that within us we we actually amplify those deeper connections that exist around us even with the trees and the animals and the elements and all of this because we are an extension of a bigger picture and that's mm -hmm. the web of all interconnected life not just ours and this is the concept that is actually it forms the basis of so many um original nations people of the world and it's a deep innate connection with everything that surrounds us and that mm -hmm. informs us and then teaches us and when we hold that sacred it nourishes and it nurtures and it shelters us and this is what real connection is about and it's been like inverted like the world is so heavily inverted yeah um on so many different layers and we've inverted what connection really is about and when we come back to that place of knowing and being more discerning with using technology, but also being really clear on what connection is about in our lives, we don't use technology out of boredom. Mm -hmm. We use it as a tool and we use it for, for, for the purpose of good. But when we use it just meaninglessly, that's that's why it's a vortex. And you see it specifically with children. It just warps you, similar to like a mall or a gambling, um, you know, like a casino where you don't know what time of the day it is yes. because you're just completely in a vortex. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's designed to be, it's engineered for addiction. And the reason why it was engineered for addiction is so that enough people were addicted to technology, they could surveil you on it. And that is exactly right. what they're doing. Right. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, we know that, that uh, you, know, you mentioned the metaverse. You know, we, we focused uh, pretty deeply on Alison McDowell's research about a year ago. And I know you had her on uh, uh, your first episode, right, of your podcast. I saw that. I haven't gotten to listen to it yet. But, yeah, we found her extremely uh, interesting. And uh, she opened our eyes to a lot of this stuff. I mean, what a researcher she is. I mean, I, I don't even know how she can retain that much knowledge. <laughs> But um, I, I'm wondering, you know, we saw like Facebook change their name to, you know, to Meta and, and we're trying to launch the metaverse. And it seemed like that all kind of hit with a thud. Um, I, so I, I'm wondering if you, you see us, are you bullish? Are we winning? 
you know, I mean, do you, do you think that, or, or, or is there a lot of stuff that's really still mechanistically happening behind the scenes or does it seem like, because, you know, uh, we were going to ask you about the, the pandemic in, in uh, Australia, because it, you know, at least from an outsider's view, it seemed extremely militant down there compared to not, not that it was good here, but it seemed especially so there. And now that things have kind of opened back up, I mean, are people seeing, Hey, this was, this was nuts what we were doing or, or is it still, are they still in lockstep with that same narrative now that we're kind of removed from it? And how do you think that parlays into this discussion around wireless radiation? Mm, Such a great question. Look, I can honestly tell you, um, I, I was pregnant with my son at six months and I felt this surge come over my body. My husband thought it was like some hormonal thing. And I was like, this isn't hormonal. This is something else. Mm-hmm. And I just said, we're moving to Byron Bay. And he was like, what? You didn't even like it when we were there. And I was just like, <laughs> we're going, we're going to Byron Bay. <laughs> and I just thought, I felt, I knew that this is where I needed to be. And he trusted me and he came, you know. And my son, he was nine months old when we moved here. And I went to my first farmer's market and I was handed a 5G, a stop 5G flyer because they were just starting educating the community here on this topic. And just, I mean, I might look like I've got a single line, but I came from, and I looked corporate. Like, I mean, I stood out in this type of town mm-hmm. and I would um, I went up to the booth because my husband gave me a nudge and he said you know Renat you've been trying to make this right for so long why don't you go to the booth and um, introduce yourself and I did and I was so nervous and I'm not a naturally extroverted person quite the opposite I'm introverted and um, they were like their eyes were popping out they had oh my god ex-telco marketer whistleblower blah 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 and I just <laughs> went whoa I said I'm not any of those things I've just got a story that I'd like to tell and you guys can pass it on to whoever you know mm-hmm. and you recognize it's not someone else's job to do your work right you know mm-hmm. and I was like wow I know what that feeling was um, when my son who I was pregnant with we got here before the pandemic we didn't know that it was coming you know six months later it hit And then all of a sudden, the purpose, that thing that stamped me in that moment in time, it was like a return to sender. Like, here you go. Now do the work. I was like, right. Enough complaining about what I know. I got to get my boots on, strap myself in. You you tell the, uh, you you have, you have determined that you, you're, you're awake and you're getting out of bed. I really like that. I listened to that. So you were getting out of bed finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my getting out of bed moment. And for those that are listening, um, I often get told, you know, I'm awake and I can see this and I can say that. And I, can, yeah. and I was like, oh, I remember being awake. But what good is it being still in bed? That's right. And so this is the rise up. You know, this is the stage where we rise up, we get on our feet, we participate in change and we, we work with our communities and our mm-hmm. villages and whatever it takes to bring ourselves closer together we're going because if we don't have our tribes by now sorry people but you're in some shit luck if you don't have a tribe <laughs> yes. um this is the truth and you know, so what ended up happening was i slow very slowly started to speak in front of 10 people and then it became four pe- uh, 40 people and then it became 400 people and then it became thousands and and so i started doing a lot of talks in the community um i was very much on the front lines and to your question Leo, we have to be so careful 
um, when it comes to activism, I think most of the time people listen to what I have to say because I didn't come from a fighting activism background, right? right? So mm-hmm. I never did a protest. None I of never, us. Like, you're you're a convert. A <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, this is, a, and I felt like people were helping and nurturing and guiding me to keep doing this because I didn't look like another person, you know, complaining you right. know, in hippie land over here, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, but I remember, and I think this is why I'm so grateful to the network that I have around the world, is because I started getting interviews globally and working with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And and it just, it, it not forced me, because I don't believe in force, but it propelled me to... Um, to recognize my own activism shadow, as my friend Kelly Brogan says, right? Mm-hmm. In that when we're fighting out there, we need to be sure we're not fighting something inside, right? right? So we have to come to a very clear vessel of being completely in alignment with our truth and our strength and our consciousness because a lot of activism is about pointing the finger at somebody else mm-hmm. and saying, you've got to be better for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got to change your way me yes and that is not what in my opinion what activism ought to be about activism in my opinion ought to be about knowing your own freedom exercising your own freedom and creating pathways for that world and leo to answer your question i do not believe there's one solution that will end up playing itself out for humanity i think there are going to be many and there is a conveyor belt that is very clearly going towards transhumanism but there's also pathways that are being built from the salt of the earth that are going towards people that do want to have alternative means of 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 you know health mm-hmm. and education and technology and so on and so forth over there mm-hmm. and i very much build and work towards that pathway mm-hmm. one of the things i mean many of the things that i've done in the last few years um has been around creating unity in the community right so I don't, I will not ever accept an invitation if I know that they're fighting and yelling at somebody else to make a difference for them. Mm-hmm. I will only participate or even interview with people that I know are part of the change, a part of their, the agenda to create um, a better pathway. Mm-hmm. And and I, I choose to put my energy into that, but not all activists do. Some activists really thrive on finding bad guys and pointing fingers and mm-hmm. not taking any radical honesty or responsibility on themselves because everybody else has to change, right? right? Right. And so that's never been where I put my energy. And I'll tell you, you know, I did one of the largest rallies in the country and um, did all the branding for it on the border between New South Wales and Queensland. This is our two states. Mm-hmm. This border was closed to the unvaccinated. So speaking about Australia, to come yes. back to your point, um, it, it was it's called boundary street and it divides two states and if you were not jabbed you couldn't cross that boundary for a year that is so insane. we live really close to that border and people work between both states because mm-hmm. we're very close to that border mm-hmm. and um and so you couldn't see loved ones you couldn't cross it, it was it was literally like two parallel universes right next to each other mm-hmm. living it's like but east not and crossing. west germany with no wall <laughs> correct <laughs> So there were Indigenous friends of ours that were on that border for about, I'd say, a few months. And I just woke up one morning and I got in touch with a friend of mine and I said, I'm going to do a border rally. And I've never done an event. I've never done protests 
you know, none of that stuff. And I said, but I'm not going to do a put up a sign, Pfizer, we hate you something, right? Mm -hmm. And I just thought, what is the way to help people understand through an event their own inner freedoms, their own love of their own health and, and, and their communities? And how do we bring back, you know, the idea that, for so long, we had to socially distance, which is such a stupid oh, word. I mean, there's no yeah. social distance, right? <laughs> and and you know, and my son, which I'll get into in a minute, he he said to me, um, no, I'll skip to that in a second. But basically, I put together a rally, and it was synchronistic how the universe delivered me so many people with the most incredible expertise, like, you know, staging, sounding. I had all these visions in my mind. And then the next thing that person would call me, hey, I heard you're doing this. Do you need help with that? It was instantaneous. The minute I would think of an idea that somebody would call me with a solution because I was completely in my flow. <clears throat> and we organized three border rallies with the most incredible speakers from around the country. I had it in my vision to have Ziggy Alberts, who's one of my favorite musicians. So I literally contacted him on Instagram and he gave me his number and we had a call. And it was the very first time he was going to publicly speak on this topic. I had John Farris from Excess come, Trevor Hendy, the greatest Ironman in the world. I had everyday nurses, teachers, firefighters, doctors. It was so, and I, I briefed every single person because the thing is, they. Tr I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> they um. They trusted me because I've been in their shoes. I didn't know how to speak. Yeah. And um, and the thing was, I got to see these musicians and how they were meditating. Some of them were holding their stomachs almost, you know, they couldn't breathe. And every person I contacted to be part of this rally said yes. Wow. And the most incredible speeches I've ever heard in my life that were so uplifting. I even had police from Cops for COVID Truth, Alex Cooney, who came to, he drove to come and meet me first. He drove a few hours to come and meet me first to have the strength to get up on that stage. He gave one of the most incredible speeches I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. But it was from the, it was all from the heart. It was all from stand, what, what it, what it takes to stand in your truth and to love your community despite what somebody else is telling you to do or not to do. And these speeches, they created such a portal of energy on that border that the police were hugging us and standing in tears with us. Wow. It was the wow. first time in a not see brutality from the police. Wow. And it was like a music had choreography and the dancing was going to tens of thousands of people on a border which is not a big community tens of thousands of people and we had music mu like Kyle Lionheart, Taoski, Ziggy album these are big stars here in Australia and they all came and they sang together and we had music as we were walking up to the very top of Boundary Street and to the very bottom we we marched together and these photos are historic. We had documentary filmmakers and documentary photographers come and document these events and after three events they opened the border. Wow. Is there a place where people can consume it's that? It's getting huge. It's, sorry? Is there a place where people can consume the... the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I send you the links and you can put it okay. in the show notes so people can watch some of the doco pieces on it and every rally we gave it a different name but it was always for me the same brief we are not getting speakers on that stage that expect somebody else to change right. this is their story 
We had Qantas pilot Graham Hood, who became a an international global viral sensation when he, as a Qantas pilot, took off his slowly started singing and taking off his Qantas gear. And he sang to the audience, you know, really um, beautiful Australian songs that we all grew up with to bring us back to our Aussie spirit, because we've always been known, Australians have always been known for our friendliness, our kindness, our easygoingness. And we were one of the worst places to be tyrannically dictated to in the world right yes. and so many people everywhere with my I lived overseas for nine years so I had friends all over Europe calling me constantly and the thing is I've always walked embodying um, not the world that the media projects but my own inner world and so I didn't wear masks I was going I was going to Ca um, Canberra which is our uh, capital here and I, I was the only person on the aeroplane that wasn't wearing a mask I got a lot of looks but I just I wasn't in a in a place of judgment I was just in this place of this is my reality mm -hmm. and that's okay and, yeah. and you know just being completely safe in that place mm -hmm. and and the thing is you know this is one example the other example was my son because we were in line at a cafe here in Byron and there was a woman in her 60s behind me wearing a mask lined up and he turned around he's you know four years old and he looked at me and he said mommy she's wearing a mask and, you know, she gave me one of those looks where you go like, oh, she'll, <laughs> that mother will explain to her son, you know, that this is a pandemic or whatever. Yes. And I just looked at him and I looked at her and I said, yes, she is. <laughs> and that's the truth. She's wearing a mask. Yeah. You know, like there's what else do you say? And I just thought, you know what, he's noticing masks. Um, as a mom, I'm acknowledging that he's seeing the mask. But what did I not do in that moment is not understand from his perspective what it is that he is seeing behind the understanding of the mask. So later that day we went to, um, it's an area called Bangalore, we went to a market and he asked me to hold him and I picked him up and I and generally he's not like that. And I said, you're right, don't. And he goes, mommy, are they wearing masks because they're not allowed to smile? Oh, my like, God. <laughs> you're like, what are they doing wow. to these children? <laughs> wow. And then I came home, I called my graphic designer and I said, I need a campaign. So we call it Smiles Welcome, and it was No Mask, We Don't Ask. It went absolutely national. I created an A2 poster of this giant smile with the mask coming off, and it was all for shop fronts, and it just it, it just went everywhere. It went like really? crazy everywhere. And it was that we weren't going to discriminate or shame, that we're going to assume anyone walking in with a mask is exempt because our communities were becoming divisive you yeah. know if you're not wearing a mask don't come in if you're not qr coding don't... but they didn't want to do that yeah. yeah so this smiles welcome we had a qr code on there we were really cheeky because that qr code took you to the government website for all the reasons you could get exemptions and it's pretty much everything you can think of you can have an exemption for really? and so people were walking past these shop fronts especially tourists here where i live and they were thinking it was a QR code. So they were just like, and then they'd get on their phone all the reasons for exemptions. <laughs> that is clever. That is amazing. Yeah. And so we also did, an, with Angela, we did an essential business sticker campaign, which was I'm an essential business, Mullumbimbi, and that went all over the Northern Rivers. So every shop front wanted these stickers, which had the tick in there, but I'm an essential business. And we did a little documentary where it was heartfelt. We, Angela, myself, and our, and our friend Claire, we walked around the shops and we thanked them for staying open and how hard it's been the last year and that yeah. we adore them and we love them and they're the bread and butter of our community. 
and there was tears, there was laughter, there were hugs, and we put it all together as a video that this community absolutely loved. Until this day, there's pretty much nowhere you can go in the Northern Rivers where you don't see that big 20 centimeter yellow sticker because it gave them the feeling that they were seen, that they were understood, that the community loved them and they were like, we're gonna do the same. And they stopped segregating. Oh, and so wow. this is the impact of looking at a pathway that doesn't point the finger at the bad guy, but you look at each other and mm -hmm. you connect with one another and then that ripples out, right? That rally rippled out. I had people coming up to me for six months, hugging me and crying for having oh. had such a huge impact on their lives and their kids. So you, I mean, and you, we don't do that for these reasons. Yeah. We do that because we feel this inner calling. And one of the things that happened, because I know you want to relate it back to Australia and what's been happening here. So this is the version, the inverted, or the other version of brutality that the media were reporting on the border, but not internationally. You wouldn't have heard about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but all around Australia, everybody knew about these border. People were coming from everywhere to come to that border, to, you know, to be part of the energy of Boundary Street. And Boundary Street was originally where the Indigenous couldn't cross unless they had a white paper. So oh, someone wow. that was white that gave them permission. So look at us going full circle, right? Yeah. And no wonder the Indigenous were there first. You know, we had a lot of Indigenous representation. We had Colin Hapo, who was completely in his, it was just like he was an Indigenous um, custodian here and he gave one of the most compelling speeches I've ever heard. I think there was nobody that that left that speech without feeling the imprint on them for the rest of their lives, you know? Wow. Um, and so this is, this is the power of information. This is the power of marketing. I, I used every marketing skill I've ever learned and put it to use uh -huh. in the most ethical and um, in the most um, meaningful way that I could have put, I mean, the amount of campaigns that I've done in the last three years, I haven't stopped. I, we, we had a station probably about five minutes drive from where I'm sitting right now in my office and it was called Cavern Bar. And this made front page of the largest newspaper in our country because they were setting this up as a testing site for PCR tests. And so we have friends that have a cafe, so we borrowed their, you know, those um, those things that go on the ground, those yeah. wooden oh, stands. Oh, yeah, with the menu, yeah. That's right, the blackboard. And so they, we put up signs saying anal swabs this way <laughs> and with an arrow. And so people were arriving because it was cabin bus and they were, like, <laughs> trying to pick a lane and the anal swabs this way was the exit lane. <laughs> And you see the photo on the front page of the largest newspaper of like this hazmat PCR guy with no cars lined up. It was just genius, right? And it's I don't so mean to like genius. blow smoke up no, my ass. Well, you have to laugh, yeah. Because you have to laugh. Yeah. You have to find the fun in this. Because they've been trying to ruin our fun for three years. That's yeah. why memes have given people so much life over the yeah. last year. Yeah. How good have the memes been? They've been You've never seen more better comedy in your life than That's the memes. Right. It, it, it is interesting because uh, you can kind of tell where the right, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say the right, the correct way of thinking is because they're the ones with the good memes. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's right. You can, you can filter your, your, yeah, yeah. 
who you listen to through memes. Leo, yeah. it was really crackling then when I was um, when I was listening to you. I don't know if there's something going on with the audio, but let me know if there is. You're you're coming in good. So. Yeah, I wanted okay, to, great. I wanted to go back a little bit on. We were talking about the money you're putting, the government was putting into wire technology, which is a lot, and then all of a sudden we scrapped everything. And um, how can we in our house, because these days we don't really have the wired houses anymore unless you're building them from the ground up, which is sad. So that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, we do, I think the reason we do this podcast is because of our kids, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And our kids are exposed to more, I mean, there's a the social pressure, like even in our small school and my uh, oldest class which she's in eighth grade um you know half of the class has phones half don't but then the ones that have phones get to connect and click the ones that don't kind of are left out the little ones you know all the uh infinite shows you have on netflix amazon's everything the ipads the games i mean how do we like reverse this we're even thinking about going to theme parks that everybody goes in Everything is technology. Like you got to wear a band to to get anything, to order anything, to do anything. How do we help parents like ourselves to like disconnect our kids? Such a great question. Um, I saw it. Speaking of memes, it was a you know sometimes memes hit you in the heart, not necessarily in the in the laughter of the mouth. You know, mm -hmm. um, and there was a meme that I saw. Oh gosh, it's been about a month ago and it was a mother and her child on the couch and the child in on literally an oversized phone is like the dividing wall on that couch of the child trying to get the mother to see him but she's on her device and the the, the meme said something like your phone keeps you close to the people far away but far away from the people close, close to you. Wow. Yeah. Right. And we all recognize those moments where our child's trying to get our attention and it feels terrible internally because we know we're diverting our attention to the device, yeah. generally speaking, right? Yeah. Or we give the child a device so that they pay no attention to us on a device, right? Mm -hmm. So we're mimicking our same behavior. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got a four-year-old, uh, almost five now, next month, but the thing is and, and what we need to understand, our children... We cannot expect them to have better self-regulating skills than what we're capable of because they look at us. We know that. We know that they look at us and if we're incongruent with what we're saying or what we're trying to advise them on, they won't take that advice on board. Of course. And so we need pretty good boundaries, you know, like there's no phones on tables when we're eating together or you know like these hours of the day like before you go to bed and after you wake up the those hour of that kind of like hour of power as many people call it is the worst times to be on device because it'll affect your sleep and we know that when your sleep is affected your mood and concentration and so many other things are affected mm -hmm. but what do children and even I'm talking teenagers themselves as well as like at their very core and because we have such a playfulness in us, we've got an inner child in us always, our hands are designed for creation. So we've got senses in our hands and we can hold, we can build, we can touch, we can play music, we can paint, we can hug, guard and cook, all of those things. But the technology handling, it's turning our hands into blunt instruments. 
And if we really see ourselves as creators, as builders, as architects of life, these hands are very, very important because they, this is where, you know, we say a lot of our, our messaging for We Are Not Sam is the power is in your hands, right? Mm -hmm. So if you put a device in your hand, which is a remote control for these networks, or it's, you know, distancing you away from the people closest to you, we ultimately have the responsibility and we ultimately have to make choices in our household, you know, with our families, we have to come together and we have to all agree on how we're going to, how we're going to manage this. And if children or even teenagers are part of the solution, mm -hmm. what the feedback I'm getting on a regular basis is if you include them to help participate in the solution, mm -hmm. then you'll find one. But if you dictate the way that we've been dictated to these last few years, that right. generally doesn't work very well. Right. So helping our children become participators in change and to use their hands to be more creative outside of technology, that is that is big work and it's necessary. Believe me when I say it's necessary because technology on, on a general level, despite all the issues that it causes children and how much it radiates and permeates their brains, what they crave more than anything else is to experience the real world. Right. And that's what they're here for. And so if we keep putting them in an artificial world and keep bringing them into a state of hypnosis, which is what these smart TVs and, and technologies and iPads and wearable tech and all of that does, mm -hmm. then we have to... We, we have to get radically honest and we and we have to make bigger sacrifices than maybe what we were prepared to do before hearing this information today. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've said this before and it made quite a few people emotional. I said, you know, the thing is we, we had the largest floods in our history this last March in the Northern Rivers. It was like it looked like a third world country. Wow. And it was a real emergency. It was a real emergency. I mean, we had friends and their kids stuck on their roofs for 38 hours. Wow. And and it was, I mean, I've got goosebumps just thinking about it. The whole Northern Rivers was turned upside down. There were still, there's still regions that cannot recover. Wow. And we had a gathering for the community because we were all in mud army, like up to our, I mean, I had fungus infections from all the mud and my husband as well. And we took in family into our houses that lost their entire homes. And, wow. and the thing is, through that disaster, we saw the goodwill of humanity in a real emergency when the government were not coming to help us. We had to find our own aeroplanes to get our own helicopters to get people to safety. We had to fund it ourselves. We had um, friends of mine that are musicians bring like medical aid on their own private jets to our wow. regions. We had people from all over the country driving and trying, and the amount of you know people giving of of food, of like, uh, of of clothing, of everything you can imagine. The stations were set up, and we were all self grassroots coordinated, and there was so much love through all of this craziness. And you know the unvaccinated were not even allowed to get into their tinnies and try to help people wow. with their own because there was no there was not enough um there were not enough boats trying to save people so the unvaccinated took it about upon themselves to get into their own tinnies and go and save the people on their own wow. they didn't wait for the authorities wow. and we did it all 
And then when we got together as a community, um, what ended up happening was we had the longest vigil worldwide on a tower in Mullumbimby, which is sort of the anti-5G, anti-vax capital of our entire country. Mm-hmm. And we were responsible for the very first moratorium, 5G moratorium in Australia, and we ended up having conversations with Croatia and other places all over the world that got their moratoriums because we gave them a kit on how to do it. And it was the longest vigil ever that was ever put on a tower. And then during the floods, Telstra came in and upgraded it to 5G despite the moratorium. Of course. (laughs) Right? They got massive PR backlash for it, but they did Mm -hmm. it regardless. Two days later, it had a fire because I, I believe we don't know for sure because they won't release the report, mm-hmm. but it, we don't believe that it was man-made. We believe there was like a hole at the bottom which usually sends, you know, the cooling aid mm-hmm. to go up yeah. and that's enough. And it's very common um, that these 5G towers start, you know, they, they begin to go on fire. Mm-hmm. And then they came back again with police surrounding the whole region so that they could get in because for so long we were blockading any type of action that could have caused an upgrade, right? Mm-hmm. The community were doing it themselves. They would blockade with their own cars even if they were driving by and so that happened and when we got together as a community and we were all exhausted like most of us hadn't slept for pretty much a week you know just Mm -hmm. everybody was out outside all the kids all the adults were on their feet participating in the cleanup right which Mm -hmm. now you wouldn't even know that we had the floods because it's so clean and and pristine again Mm -hmm. all thanks to the community and I, they asked me to do a speech because the 5G upgrade had happened and that community wanted me to speak because I became sort of the face of the whole movement here. And I did, and I and I recognised something that was so profound right before I was getting up there to speak. And I said, how many people here... Um, oof, I'm going to try to get through this. You can do I just it. see all the faces. I said, how many people here have the qualifications to do what they did during the floods? You know, the nursing qualifications, the driving, whatever you did, the cleaning. And, you know, half, not even half the people's hands went up. I'd say maybe not even a third. And I said, um, how many people were called to do what they did? And every single hand went up. And I said, I don't do what I do because I'm qualified in marketing or I've got a telco background. I've always done this work because of my calling. Mm -hmm. And you all did what you had to do because of your calling. And this is where we need people. We need to guide people back to themselves. I don't Mm -hmm. trust anyone, whether it's Fauci or whether it's somebody on our side. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. Not to say that there's a side, like a divisive side, but I trust myself. I trust my calling. I trust my intuition, no matter how subtle it is. Mm -hmm. And that's been the biggest gift of the last few years is people coming back to themselves. And I think anyone that speaks from a place of guiding people back to themselves rather than guiding them to what they think everybody should be doing is coming from the right place. That's usually my filter for how I navigate um, who I connect with. It's Mm -hmm. um, are they guiding people to themselves? Are they guiding people to what they want them to do? Right. And I get to speak to people all around the world every single week and we get to do that work. That is the most meaningful work there is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we understand, you know, the creator doesn't call the qualified, the creator already qualified the called. And if you have that calling, you have a responsibility to that path. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I get to do. And I know that's what you both get to do as well because mm-hmm. the black sheep in me recognizes the black sheep in you and I'm cheering you on, <laughs> yes, you know? Right. Yeah, we we, uh, we had that uh, calling when we were uh, new parents because, you know, we had a vaccine-injured child and, mm-hmm. you know, we went a path that, that we knew we had no choice. It was the it was the path to to save our child, and and what regardless of what there was no, you know there's no guaranteed outcome, right? We yeah. we we're just going to do the work, and uh, luckily we 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 came out on the other side, you know, with uh, uh, you know something that we really uh, dreamed for. But but uh, it it you know to your point earlier, you know about the people who aren't out of bed. You know, I, I think I come back to that and I'm like, you know, early on in that journey, when we first got diagnosed, it was like, who else is going to fix this situation? Yeah. You know, and then after real quickly, you know, she came to the 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 uh, realization that, no, you're going to be the one that's going to fix. Yeah. We're going to be the one. You know, it's right. not gonna, it's not going to be anybody else. We're trying to help <laughs> yeah. him find his voice. And through that process, actually, we found our voice. Yeah. That's what we speak for here. Yeah. 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 And, th- and that's how we have such an incredible choice, you know, to see everything that happens along our path as a gift. Yeah. Um, even the struggle. I mean, the, the idea that we've been raised by a system that, you know, we talked about rewards and punishment is like we almost do not allow for failure, you know, and that's what most people are afraid of, looking and seeing themselves and being seen as failing. Yeah. And this isn't the world that we, we came here because this world is not a courtroom. It's mm-hmm. a classroom. Yeah. And and it's designed to give us lessons and it's designed to keep us growing and it's designed to keep us evolving. And when we see it like that, then we see that we're only here for a pit stop. This isn't, you know, the idea that people are so afraid of death, yeah. they're so afraid of bad, evil, you know, wrongdoers means that they're giving far more energy to that than the energy of life and the energy of evolution. Mm-hmm. And our children are the best teachers there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are the best teachers there are. I mean, you guys know this. And, you know, when we talk about, you talked about Alison McDowell. I love Alison, by the way. And if Alison, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this interview, know that from the deepest depth yeah. of my heart, you are an incredible human being. Um, and, you know, she's a mother and she was inspired by her child to do the research that she does. And the thing is, you know, her and I spoke about this, but in the film Avatar, you know, this this is James Cameron now saying, you know, t- that t- testosterone is toxic. I mean, this guy is absolutely mad. And you have to laugh, right? I yeah. mean, this is ridiculous. And this whole agenda towards transhumanism and trans, the trans agenda is a gateway to a gateway drug to this transhumanism. And, 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 and Alison and I agree on that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But the ways in which she expresses things like the moonshot project which is that we would exist by 20 this is a government project that we would exist by 2050 outside of the need of a time and space or even a human body right mm-hmm. is the way in which we get there is by this kind of the melagomaniacs of the world mm-hmm. saying that our body is a burden you know if enough chronic if chronic illness and everything hits our children or, our, or ourselves then we'll be like oh just upload your consciousness to the metaverse and that's what the film avatar is based on mm-hmm. things it got is. too hard on earth things got too hard with the way your body was functioning 
easy just go to this place it's a virtual reality where things are a lot more connected and th these blue beings are a whole lot better than what humanity's got mm -hmm. going for them yeah so we outsource um our consciousness to the metaverse right mm -hmm. and so people need to pay attention to this type of stuff because that gives you a really great idea of contrast you know kelly said to me kelly brogan said to me what she loves so much about life is contrast and we just keep feeling the contrast. She was saying like, and this is the same with me because we had such a big laugh. She goes, you like me, like you don't go to the toilet until you really need to pee. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you don't burst out in laughter until you've like really hit that point of like unstoppable laughter, you know? Yeah. You don't eat until you're actually really hungry. So all of these things, you know, and think about how I said I was raised. It's like you've got recess and that's your time to eat or that's yeah. your time to go to the toilet. You know, you've got your pockets. It's not whenever, it's it's when you're told. Right. And the thing is about that is the contrast of feeling that exhilarating edge feeling about to do something is actually one of the most incredible feelings of life. Like when I first got up, to speak in front of 10 people, I did not know how I was going to survive that. 10 people. <laughs> yes. And I was just like, the, but I, it was exhilarating knowing that I was A, being, it was a magnetism to do it, even mm -hmm. though it was scary. You're, right? you're in the arena. So this idea you know? that most people, yeah, yeah, totally. You're in the arena, you know, the, the quote, you know, getting in the arena and daring greatly. It's yes. like this whole idea is that you're not supposed to feel like you can do public speaking or you can speak your truth to even your own friends and family. It needs to have that feeling of like pushing yourself mm -hmm. in that really healthy way of the contrast between you not speaking and you speaking, yeah. that that needing to pee energy. <laughs> you can't um, help it. And believe me, there were so many times where I thought, like, I, I didn't know how I was going to stand because I was like a leaf. <laughs> and it just gets easier. It doesn't mean that it gets perfect, but it gets easier. The readiness of life gets easier. Um, the more you do that and the more you wake up recognizing that you're you're doing your best. Yes, you're doing your best. So, hey, on that note, um, uh, how can we support you? How can people support you? What what, yes. what what do we need to do? How can we support the cause? Yeah, yeah. What, and how, how can we support your cause? Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got a website called wearenotsam, one word, dot com. Mm -hmm. I'm also quite active on Instagram and we're just starting up some other um, channels on Rumble and Telegram. So we're expanding out to these other platforms, which are a little bit less censored, I would say, than, than things like Instagram. Even our website seems to, some people can't find it on the Google um, search. But in any case, um, we do have a, a, a way of people donating should they like to see more of our content and we do newsletters for people we encourage them to subscribe to our e-news which is available on our homepage at the very bottom and um yeah there's just a, there's a great deal of of love that goes into expressing the the vision that we have um and and you'll feel that you know there's we we do really take a poke at the dummy we have a lot of memes we have a lot of fun with helping people understand the lunacy in this but also the opportunity that exists and we do it in a way that feels it doesn't kind of feel doom and gloom it feels really um apocalyptic i think i said once <laughs> i like that you know? i like that <laughs> 
Yes. But it is, you know, we we use we we give people we it's an invitation, you know, to to use technology differently. It's it's not about anti-technology and putting it away. It's about the invitation and the safe technology tips that we offer on our website and through our blog posts. Awesome. And it's an education tool to give you the means to really start this process. We're going to be doing a 28-day digital detox in March, which is absolutely Ooh, hilarious. I want but to it do it. So good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what... yeah, you will love it. Every single day is a different um is is a different detox and it's just so funny and so engaging and colorful and I think people are going to love it because they've never had anything like it. So yeah, these are the types of things that we've got coming up. I have an agency. Um, we're just about to launch our website. It's called Truth and Dare. Wow. .agency. And um, everything that we're dedicated to is health and freedom and changing the culture of health and freedom. Um, and we will showcase all the campaigns that nobody knew we were behind. Um, I've just spoken to you about the Smiles Welcome poster yeah. and the Essential Business sticker and the rallies. Most people had no idea who was behind that. And we started up the very first creative agency that is dedicated to changing health and freedom culture, whereas other agencies focus on technology or pharmaceutical or beauty products, which is right. their bread and butter. Our entire industry is based on health and freedom. And so we're so, so excited to be able to launch this um, agency and work with some of the incre most incredible movements worldwide and give them the tools that they need to do health and freedom marketing. And I'll also be putting together a Kajabi course and different um, modules on, on taking people through the journey of understanding how to market their health and freedom um, solution. Fantastic. That's awesome because I think we we need that. So yeah, we so do. Put, we definitely put do. us on the list. We we we've got a lot of skills, but marketing is not one of them. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, we really thank you for coming, uh, Fabi. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on, or did you think that? Uh... Oh, I think we're going to share all the links on the website and your tips. I'm definitely going to be hitting your blog on all the tips and how to oh, yeah. get farther and farther away from that's the technology. One, that's one thing. Could you give the people just an, an explanation of what are the types of things that are on the site? So to kind of preview them, to motivate them to go there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on our, you mean on our website, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So on our website, you will get more information on Sam and sort of more of the, the real life photos of this dummy and um, what was sort of the impetus behind it and the motivation to come up with this campaign, which many of you would have heard today. But we also give blog posts, so um, very much around, you know, the questions that are being asked of us. So what are the safe technology tips? What are the alternatives? How do I hardwire my home? Home, um, things to look out for when it comes to marketing, particularly, um, and AirPods was it one of the biggest hits we've ever had in terms of that. I also take a bit of a poke on Elon Musk because it's so easy. And <laughs> yeah, so he's fun. easy. Um, but it is quite easy. But it's also just a reminder of, um, you know, also grounding yourself and literally getting earthed is probably one of the strongest safe tech tips we offer. But it's how to remain human in a tech-obsessed world and, and move more into our humanism and boycotting 5G phones. We've got a pledge on there that we ask people to make, to which we've been doing and successfully doing for the last few years. We have 
thousands of people and we've got thousands of scientists worldwide that are standing behind this campaign um, to boycott 5G phones and to educate their communities. So we offer um, this year we will be doing, it's almost hard to get into it now, but uh, <laughs> we'll be doing a campaign to express to people how Wi-Fi is actually tested for safety in schools in an empty classroom. <laughs> With no kids and devices. Oh, god! Um, so the amount of lunacy in terms of testing on wireless radiation, I mean, people have only just scratched the surface with Sam, but it just keeps extending out. And I think the more we recognise that we are not to give our power away to authority, but we were to come back to our own inner authority and our own sovereignty, that's mm -hmm. the real goal of this website and you can feel it, the love is in there and, and everything that we send out in e-newsletters is very relevant to the times that we're living in and, and, and supporting, you know, ourselves and each other as communities. So, yeah, I mean, those are just a few of the glimpses of things to come and, and things you'll be able to find on our website. We'll start a membership portal soon and, yeah, if you can donate for now, that would give us uh, yeah, a bit more to, to do. That is awesome. All right. We're going to donate and we're going to share all these links on the show notes. So watch out for that. Yeah, we thank you so much thank for spending time with us so today. And I mean, this was so much more grounding and spiritual than I ever imagined a 5G conversation to go into. <laughs> so thank you. That was very enlightening. Hey, and, and you're my favorite grandchild as well. Okay, yes. so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here. Record. All right, well. Mind blown. Kaboom. Did, did you enjoy that interview? Oh, I just loved it. It was such a nourishing interview. Yeah. She's got just the most beautiful energy. She's a good storyteller. Yeah. You know, and that's the that's the best kind, you know. Sometimes people are all about the data and sometimes they're all about the story. And she had the perfect mix. Yeah, so both. we're gonna share all the links. If you can support her, support the cause as she is her work is for humanity. Yeah. So you are supporting yourself and humanity. All right. Well, um, I think that probably wraps it up. Don't forget to follow us on our Telegram channel at the Collective <laughs> Resistance Podcast. We're also on Twitter, which, again, I don't update that that often, but uh, that's... Uh, we'll get better at it. Yeah, that's year. at TCRP4178. Uh, and... Uh, that's about it. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We love you. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious. Smash that like button and uh, follow us wherever podcasts can be followed. <laughs>